Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. We are back. Season two. What episode number is this? Like 40-something? 40s, episode 47. Leadership Lean In. We have an unbelievable season lined up. We're Okay, this is the theme of season two for the next three months as leaders, as, come on, you know what we are, as the leaners. We're leaning in. All the leaners, this is our theme for the next three months. We are talking about personal growth, how to grow personally. We're talking about finances. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about systems, uh, motivation. Oh, just personal growth is our theme, and um, I'm very excited. And so on the podcast today is the great, legendary you know him as Passion Everything, Passion Music, Passion Conference, Passion City Church in Atlanta. The great Louis Giglio is coming on in just a moment, talking about his brand new book. It's going to be an unbelievable conversation, but I want to make sure that you know, let's together, May, June, July, let's focus on personal growth together as leaners and send in your questions because at the end of every episode, I'm going to answer somebody's question. So without further delay, come on, guys, we're not, let's cut to the chase. I mean, come on, let's not mess around here. Why, why would we do a long intro if we have a goat on? This is a goat. We have the great Louis Giglio on leadership. When we start leadership leaning, do we think we're going to get Louis? There's no way. We, we have John Maxwell, and now we get to have Louis Giglio. Guys, what kind of life are we living? We made it. Okay, here we go. Leadership Lean In episode, what did you say, 47? 47, the great Louis Giglio. Let's go. Woo! <laughs> this, is, this is too much fun. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Thank you so much for being on Leadership Lean In. When I started the podcast, did I ever think we could get Louis Giglio on? I didn't. I didn't I know, see it coming. I know. And I said to our team, I said, I'm so pumped for right now. Chad is going to be coming in hot. Your energy, your enthusiasm, the tone. That's what I love most about the leadership lean in is the fact that you're leaning in and it's contagious and I love you and we miss seeing you guys. It's been a minute since we've seen you through all this crazy, but such a privilege to be on with you today. Well, it's a big honor. It's a big deal. I was leaving uh, Blue Bottle this morning. And I ran into a pastor, and I said, hey, it's a, it's a big day for me. I just got to tell you, I got Louie coming on Leadership Lean In. And his face lit up like, hey, man, you got to go get ready. Go get prepped. Like, it, you know, us young guys are like, you know, to us, like, we can start throwing out the goat emoji. It's appropriate. Like, to me, I just, I got to say, thank you for your investment. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for always I see you as one that digs into the word, digs into the things of God, and that's why when you when you minister to me, you're drawing from such deep wells, and um, to me, you're just that guy that I go, how do I develop that kind of grace, character, communication skills, intentionality, everything you do is deliberate, so it's a big deal to have you on here, and it's a big deal to talk about your new book. Well, I'm pumped about it, and I, I feel the same way about you guys. And I just want to take a second just to honor you and Julia um, for taking a big step of faith, moving to L.A. I know you've got roots there. That's been part of your story. But taking a, a, a corner of the city, uh, starting in a theater, 
and saying, we're going to be light in Hollywood, and we're going to be Jesus to the people of this city, and to watch God build that and grow that, to watch you guys be faithful, to know that you've been through probably the crazy side of the crazy, because California has <laughs> been especially crazy in these last few months. But then to hear you saying, even in the last few days, man, we're here to stay. Uh, we're, we're here to stay. And what a great message of hope for the people of L.A. Because, you know, people say a lot of people leave in California. Well, right. a lot of people don't have the option of leaving California. A lot That's of people right. don't have the option of leaving L.A. And even if they did, they, didn't, they don't want to. They love L.A. And so That's for it. you guys to be there, keep going strong, keep doing what you're doing. The last Thank time you. I preached this message, I think, was at Zoe Conference. Uh, right. The summer before COVID hit. And it was a real special night being with you guys there, and uh, one of my favorite times ever of giving this talk. It's a, I mean, I'll never forget that night. And I think that summer, I, you know, I, I watched you give that message in Australia. I watched you give it in London, uh, this message in, in L.A. And it was one of those, every once in a while in church, there's a message that goes around the world. God just breathes on that thing. And you've been... Uh, 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 a conduit of many messages like that. It was one of those messages where it's like, everyone needs to hear this. Everyone needs to experience you eating watermelon and cantaloupe <laughs> during church. And God's like, he's really eating grapes right now. Like, <laughs> this is real time. Like, maybe he's kind of hungry. Um, I feel like you did eat the most in LA, by the way. That made me feel proud of our team that we delivered good produce, you know? You know, the thing... The thing about the talk has been, it's been an evolution. Like, um, and I talk about this in the book. So I'm at this Bible study with these coaches one morning, and I'm doing a Bible study in Hebrews, but it's just not going anywhere. They're in the middle of a really low point in their season. There's just a right. lot of uh, angst in the room, and everybody's trying to lean in to the coach's Bible study, but you can just, nobody's feeling it. And I just realized, wow, these guys are where I've been living in the past few months. And so I'm going to mm. just drop this little nugget that God has dropped into my life. And I said, hey, guys, I don't know what you're going through right now, but can I just offer this little nine-word uh, line of hope? Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And I mean, guys were like, you know, down, probably acting like they were listening, but working on a play or something for practice that day. Right. Every head came up like, What? And I knew right then and there, this same power that these words cut into my heart with, just mm. cut into their heart. And mm. two hours later, I'm doing the talk at our all-team meeting at Passion City. And then three days later, I'm doing it on Sunday at church. And from there to Zoe Conference, it evolved every single time. So right. at Zoe Conference, I think I'm standing up on a chair at some point, taking a picture yeah. of the table and talking about the selfie moment with God. And that was like a first. And so it's been fun because, A, it's not my message. It's God's message. It's not even mm. my title. Someone texted mm. me this title to me personally, not for a title of a book, but to get me right. out of a rut that I was in. And so I've just right. had fun with it. And I think when you can preach a powerful truth and have fun with it at the same time, that's just a win-win. I love that. I love hearing the genesis and the inspiration behind it. And yeah, yeah, I could tell listening to it multiple times, it did evolve. And I think, you know, as a communicator, you, you, the more you preach on something, the more you speak on something, you do get more revelation on it, yeah. more insight, more facets 
come to light. And I, I, I appreciate that about listening to you. It wasn't, I didn't feel like you were just going through the motions and rehearsing something. It was like, no, you were in the moment of the text. Talk to me about, because I, I love the title. It's, it's self-explanatory. Okay, don't give the enemy a seat. What are the lies that the enemy tries to give us when he sits down? What do, what do I need to, as a, as a person that can be prone and susceptible to this, all of us are, what, well, are, what are the lies? Yeah, there are probably a thousand lies, but they all get boiled down into a few buckets. And the ones that we talk about in the book, and people will always ask, well, how, will, how would I know if the enemy was at my table? And we're talking about the capital E enemy, by the way, just so right. everybody's clear on that. How would I know <laughs> if the enemy's at my table? Hmm. And so I say, well, if you've heard one of these five things, and we talk about those big buckets, here's the first one. If you've heard that it's better at another table than the table that God prepared for you, Mm. the enemy is at your table. If you have heard that you're worthless, I mean, think about how many people are carrying that around today. I'm not good enough. I'm Mm. not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I didn't come from the right family. I don't have Mm. the right background. I didn't go to the right school. Um, I'm not going to be enough. If you've heard that, the enemy is at your table. Mm. If you've heard, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it through this season. I'm not going to make it through this divorce. I'm not going to make it through this semester. I'm not going to make it through this pandemic. If you've heard that, the enemy is at your table. Mm. And then I think the other big one is if you've heard that there's no way out. Uh, I'm surrounded. Mm. Every exit is barricaded. I don't have any options left. And there's no way out. The enemy is at your table. And then the one I was kind of dealing with the most when that text came to me, don't give the enemy a seat at your table, was I kind of felt like everybody was against me. And if you're at a point right now where all you're thinking is everybody at work hates me, everybody in my family hates me, everybody at the gym hates me, all my Mm. friends are against me, everybody, the whole world stacked against me, the enemy is at your table. Jeez. And I think the, you know, the whole thing about, you know, this podcast is for leaders. The thing about leading is that every leader listens to lies. We're drawn to it. It's something about the flesh that we were seduced, we're lured. It's like, it's like gossip is a delicacy. It's a dessert. Who doesn't love dessert? So we kind of, we listen to these lies. I always think to be a great leader, I have to hear more of who I am than who I'm not. Well, because the thing about leaders is we are made to create and every leader has two jobs um, or or two primary things to do. One is to rise above because the gravitational force of life and humanity is going to pull everybody down to the lowest common denominator. For example, right now we've just been through a pandemic and everyone has felt like they were underwater. And in some ways we all have been underwater. Right. But a leader still, even in a pandemic, has to rise above. It may just be one inch above, but a leader has to rise above and say, hey, everybody, we're going to make it. Hey, everybody, there's another side and we're going to it. There's a future and we're going to it. So a leader has to rise above, but a leader's second primary obligation is to create. So Mm. what leaders do is not necessarily just to organize and to... Um, make sure production runs on schedule. Leaders create things. They dream of things that don't exist. They wow. imagine things that nobody's thought about yet. And wow. then they defy reality and go do those things. And right. so if I'm not 
uh, if I'm too busy uh, inventorying all the criticism, Mm. uh, doubting uh, my abilities, um, trying to control and manage all the chaos that's happening around me, the one thing I'm not doing is creating Mm. And I'm most likely not rising above. And I found for me personally, when the enemy's at my table and I'm going mm. through all these motions of doubt and worry and, and mm. staying up awake at night, uh, having imaginary conversations with people, trying to control right. all the outcomes and defend right. myself and justify myself and rationalize things. What I'm not doing is what I was supposed to be doing, which is creating. And wow. all of a sudden, a whole day went by, and I didn't create anything beautiful to bring glory to God because I spent all my mental energy that I was supposed to be using creating something beautiful for the world, worrying about what somebody else thinks about something, when at the end of the day, their opinion really honestly doesn't matter at all. And so wow. that's why leaders have to step up and say, Exactly what you said, Chad. I'm going to tell myself the things that are true, not yep. the things I think are true, what right. things that God says are true about right. me. And right. for a leader, that primarily means having a, a, a daily conversation that says, I am here. And yep. I text this to other guys. I would text mm. this to you so easy, Chad. If I knew you were in a storm, I would mm. text you and I would be so bold, so confident. And I would say, Chad Veach, you are God's man for this moment. You are in God's place, and you are doing what God has called you to do, mm. sin. But when I'm in the storm, <laughs> and when I'm in the middle of the chaos, right. I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, is any of this going to work? Uh, yeah. Have I lost my mind? Um, am I going to be able to overcome any of these obstacles? Jeez. And I've got to turn around and go, hey, Louis, send yourself the same text you just sent Chad Veach. Wow. I am God's man. I am mm. where God has called me to be. I am in God's place doing God's work today. Beautiful. I'm going to focus on that. Beautiful. I love that. It, it, it reminds me of the, the verse, faith comes from hearing. So when I need that infusion of faith, it's actually what I need to listen to. It's that self-talk that I need. Yeah. You know, what to say when you talk to yourself really matters and my view of God determines my view of myself, which, it, which the result of that is how I view others. And I got I to gotta get there quickly. My question, I love everything that you're saying. It is so applicable for leaders. How quick can this happen? Like you talk about the text that you got. You needed somebody to say this to you. How quick is that time that the enemy can get a seat and like get comfortable and, and, and take real estate in my head, my soul, my life. How, how quick can that happen? Well, everybody that's listening already knows the answer to that. I mean, a millisecond, a <laughs> nanosecond. Um, we, we can, it's amazing, Chad, because we are fallen human beings and we have in our fallenness an inordinate desire to be approved of and liked. So right. this, is, this is the battle that every human is in every single day. And it's not a negative thing completely because we were made to be loved by God. We were made to be right. loved by God and to love God. So a lot of that is in the natural rhythm of being created uh, by and for God. But right. what the enemy did is he twisted the by and for God part and he made the by and for me part. And mm -hmm. so a lot of us think we made ourselves and we made ourselves for ourselves. And in where, the way it plays out is in a very unhealthy mm. need 
for approval. And I have said this out loud before. It's one of the two things that pushed me in a hole of anxiety and depression about a decade ago mm. was an inordinate desire for people's approval and the need for control. And those things Jeez. had worked fine for me until I planted a local church. <laughs> because when we were doing Passion Conference, right, right, I could be in control because it was on this date. It was for this yep. reason. Yep. These people were invited. It lasted this long, and it was over. We could measure it and quantify it and see what God did, and we could all go our way. And when I would go and speak somewhere, normally it went okay, and people said, you did good. But when you plan a local church, you are not going to get everyone's approval, <laughs> and you are not going to be in control of everything, because it's not your church, it's His church, it's, That's it's right. God's church. That's right. And so I think that that inordinate desire for approval mm. is mm. what puts leaders in jeopardy. And now it's, does everyone like our new idea? Do they like our new product? Do they like our new marketing scheme? Do they like our new advertising uh, hook? Do they like uh, our new facility that we built where we're manufacturing things? Do they like where we're manufacturing things? Do they like uh, the messaging that we're doing and the causes that we support? And, and do they like me as the leader? And does the board of directors Jeez. like me? And does my team like me? And is, you know, and all of a sudden that becomes the driving force of right. our lives. And if approval is what we live by, then mm -hmm. rejection is what we die by. And in one second, you can Ooh. walk out of a meeting and say, look, we just released a brand new book and it you know, went to number one. And then you can walk out the, the door and on the way to your car, get a text from one of your staff members telling you, I'm quitting today and here's why. And you can go, wow, and everything goes in the tank, the enemy shows up and goes, you're a terrible leader. You, 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 you should have been doing this. You failed at doing that. Mm. All this is your fault. And now you're in this mm. conversation with the enemy one second after you'd had this great moment of victory. So I think it's just being able to say, hey, we did go to number one, not that my book's number one. Um, but we but it did, will be. Come on, but we guys, did, everybody we did, buy it. Yeah, we did go to number one. But hey, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that's not where I'm getting my source source of value. And mm. you know, we did have an adjustment on our team today, or you know, Dogecoin went in the tank, or whatever the bad <laughs> news was. Um, and uh, that, and, and I'm okay. I'm good. Mm. I'm good. We went to the top. I'm good. I'm good. Some things went sideways. I'm good because I didn't come to work today to get my value from other Jeez. people. I came Jeez. to work today because God put me here to create things that are beautiful and that wow. bring Him glory. Wow. I think what you're really talking about, too, it goes back to, I think, a lot of times the emotional makeup of a leader, being emotionally healthy, you know, not letting those things just throw you headlong, not allowing those things to define you. What you're hitting on is such a big deal because you can live in that performance approval trap for so long. And then, you know, it's that whole saying in leadership, what used to work for you is now going to work against you. And what got you here is not going to get you there. And every once in a while you go through, you know, your book, The Comeback, such a beautiful story. But that, you going through that makes you that much healthier and stronger, that much more aware. Uh, it readjusts the foundation of your life. And I think in leadership, the great thing about COVID to me, crisis is an accelerator. All this stuff was lurking. All this stuff was there. 
you throw gasoline on it. We just got there. What was going to take us five, 10 years to get exposed, it got exposed in five months. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That's not always a bad thing. You yeah. know, I think he loves us enough to, to go like, no, we're, we're going to deal with these things. Be, not because I'm mad at you. He disciplines the ones that he loves. Yeah, nobody's got that tattooed on him. <laughs> nobody's got that verse tattooed anywhere, but it is a powerful truth. And I agree with you 1000% that um, crisis accelerates things. But what, what I learned too, Chad, is that the uh, inverse of that is true, that mm. crisis decelerates things. And wow. what I had discovered in my life is that the acceleration was my problem. I was wow. moving so fast that I wasn't paying attention to anything that really wow. mattered. And wow. everything can't matter most. And so mm. when we've got uh, the rhythm going that we all had pre-COVID, I mean, all of us were out of our minds. And we all thought it was normal. Um, I, oh, yeah, this totally. week I, I spoke in L.A. yesterday. I'm doing an all-team meeting in Atlanta today. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. tomorrow. Going to be on a flight to Sydney next Saturday. Going to be back here preaching three times on Sunday. And, you know, we talked about that. You and I would have that conversation, and I wouldn't look at you and go, what is wrong with you? Right. And you wouldn't look at me and go, Louie, have you lost your mind? Because right. somehow this Instagram, social media culture sped us up on Jeez. such a quick arc that mm. all of a sudden life now moves 100 miles an hour, and that's just the way it is. And I don't have time to pay attention to my soul or to pay attention to my spiritual condition because I got to go somewhere and preach tomorrow. So what COVID did was it accelerated a lot of things, but for the most part, it decelerated everything. Great. And now I'm sitting at home staring at the wall going, who am I? And right. Shelly and I made a really, I think, mm. a game-changing decision. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything about anybody else anywhere else in the world. But when, when COVID and quarantine hit, and everybody realized we're all on reality TV now, uh, <laughs> the virtual world has begun, I looked at Shelly one day and I said, babe, we're not doing one Instagram live uh, for the next wow. three months. Wow. Not one. You're not going to see us sitting around at the house going, how's everybody doing tonight? Or not going to see me in my office going, here are my five leadership things for COVID. Wow. I said, let's just slow it all down. And when we did, we had to take stock. And the mm -hmm. conversations we had around our table, Chad, were some of the deepest conversations we've had in our marriage. Jeez. And they were conversations about everything we're doing mm. and everything we want to do. Why mm. are we doing this? Do we still want to do this? Is, mm. this, is this who we are? And the yeah. deceleration exposed everything for us. And I know that now we're kind of coming back into some sense of normalcy, but I hope that as we do that, every leader now will come back going, I know what it is I want to do mm. or the few things I want to do. And I'm going to have to say a, a lot more no's. No's the most powerful word in the vocabulary of a leader. And, and I think we've just got to say, look, I learned through all that quiet crazy that I know mm. now what God wants me to be about, and I'm going to be about mm. that. And the things that He Beautiful. doesn't want me to be about, I'm not going to have FOMO. And uh, FOMO 
got shut down by COVID, mm. but it's trying to make a comeback quick. And right. I've, I've noticed it's coming back in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm saying no to FOMO. I, I, I let, me, let me miss out. Let me miss out. I'm sorry yeah. I wasn't at that one. Nope, didn't get invited to that. I saw something the other day that a bunch of pastors were at, and I was like, I didn't get invited to that. I think a year or two ago, I'd go, man, I would have liked to have gone to that. I went, right. eh, I'm good. Isn't that so interesting? You know, I've been using the phrase sea legs. You know, we don't have our sea legs back. But in, in a weird way, I agree with everything you just said. I don't want to get my sea legs back in certain categories of my life. Like, right. I want to be able to run at full strength, but I don't want to go back to the vices. I don't want to go back to the things that, you know, it's like the road, for an example, or the FOMO, for example. These are all great things and I th- that you're referring to. I think a lot of it goes back to the security of your identity. Come on. Leadership is that thing that if you love your title or if you love your position so much, when that moves, I watched this happen for so many years to so many people. When that move, when you when the phone doesn't ring, I love co- uh, quarantine. I love COVID for this reason. When the invitations stop coming in, are you happy? Are you secure? Are you confident? And I th- I think uh, another big thing that happened: Can you resist temptation when you're not in demand? Does all of the, 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 the racing and the driving and the, the itinerary of this cause you to walk in holiness? Or do you walk in holiness because that's your calling? Wow. Talk to, talk to me about how do I resist the enemy in seasons when I'm not in demand? I'm not the most popular thing. Because I think sometimes you're insulated by your title or your position, which creates a false sense of identity. How do I resist no matter what season I'm in, good, bad, high, low, into popular, unpopular, relevant, irrelevant? How do I create in my life as a leader some benchmarks to go, this is how, don't, don't give this guy a seat? Yeah, well, I, I love what you're saying. Just to touch on real quick on one thing you said about not having your sea legs. Uh, I, I'm feeling that, man. I'm definitely not back at my fighting weight yet. And, right. You know, we used to preach like three times on a Sunday, get on a plane, go preach somewhere else. Now I'm, I'm preaching two times on a Sunday live. And at the end of it, I need to go lay down. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, got, got, got to get the rhythm uh, going again. But I think, Chad, what you're talking about is so important. And I really, I believe everybody listening right now is leaning in to the leadership lean in because identity is everything. And I love how when Jesus started his ministry, God wanted to document that moment. And the moment was, this is my son. In him, I'm well pleased. And uh, I want everybody to know it. And think about it. As far as we know, Jesus is a a 30-year-old at this point. We don't know anything about what he's done other than be faithful in his dad's carpenter shop. And he hasn't walked on water. Wow. He hasn't fed 5,000. He hasn't done one miracle that we're aware of. But yet his father said, this is my son, Mm. and in him I'm well pleased. And Mm. so for me, I think that the battle is won before Mm. I ever put my feet on the floor in the morning. 
And if my feet go on the floor and, and they're motivated by, I'm going to go do something great today. I'm going to mm. show the world who I am. I didn't come from a family of preachers. I didn't come from a wealthy family. I, I don't have any heritage of church in my background. Uh, my dad was an artist. Uh, his dad was a, uh, not a great guy, died of a heart attack on a golf course early in life. Jeez. I, I, I don't have the, oh, I know what we do in the Giglio family. And so because of that, Chad, I'm just being vulnerable. Um, mm. I've kind of always had the, I have to work up from the bottom mentality. I have to start from scratch. Um, I got to kind of counter punch out of the corner because I, I don't have any of that heritage. I don't have that background. I wasn't set mm. up for success in ministry. And wow. I can't look back to any people in my family and go, my grandfather was a great pastor or my dad built a great church. And so right. I've always had to push that enemy voice mm. out of my head because I've all my friends or most of my friends have been the opposite. Um, you know, my best friend growing up's dad is still one of the greatest exposers of the Bible at 88 in our lifetime. Right. And so I think it comes back to, if I put my feet on the floor, going back to what I was saying, it's, it's natural in the flesh mm. for Louis Giglio to say, I, I want to prove that I belong today. Mm. I want to prove that I can be good right. at this, even though I don't have it in my family or background. And I want to write a, a good book. I want to write a, a book that's as good as somebody else's book or preach a message right. that people will remember forever. Um, and that's the flesh. Wow. But if I put my feet on the floor and I've been able to win the battle before that moment, and I, and I know before my feet go on the floor, my father's talking to me right now, and this is what he's mm. saying. See this boy right here? This is my son. And you know what I want you to know about my son? I am well pleased with him. Mm. Not with what he's going to accomplish today. I'm well pleased with him, and he hasn't done a thing yet today. So now I'm moving from acceptance and not for acceptance. Jeez. And I'm telling you, it doesn't mean that you work less hard, that right. you put in less energy, commitment, sacrifice. Um, it just means that your motivation was the wind of acceptance is already in my sail. It's not yep. on the dock across the bay, and I'm hoping if I row hard enough, I'll get there today. You know, and I think when you live from not for, when you live from that place, a lot of times, and, and leadership is that thing, people can tell. Well, they're intuitive and, and they're discerning. Yeah, and the other thing that's p powerful about that is if I'm going for something today, how am I going to treat the people around me uh, as a means to getting to the four? That's it. But if I'm coming from something today then how am I treating the people around me? I'm wanting to make sure that as we're grinding and working, and, and our team is a hard working team. People sure. who come on our team, they wanna work hard and do great things. And great. so we're working hard all the time, but if I'm coming from, then I see the people around me and I'm wanting to make sure that I make a little deposit in them in yep. that day that lets them get some of the from. And so it's not just, hey, you got to do what you got to do so that I can get what I'm aiming for today. It's, hey, right. thank you. Hey, you're amazing. Hey, yep. I'm so glad I'm on this team with you. Isn't it so great that we get to do this together? By the way, I want to share the credit of this book with you because it has my name on it, but about 50 people in our organization have their fingerprints on this book, and it would Jeez. not be on this table without them. I want to share some of the four, not just extract uh, share That's some it. of the from, not just extract all of the four. 
That's it. I think, you know, that, that, that ambition, that, you know, uh, aspirational leadership, until you work all that out, I think the dangerous thing, what we're talking about is resisting the enemy from a seat at your table. Because if he does and he stoops you, it doesn't just dissettle your soul and your motives, but you see how it affects all your relationships. Because now I'm not looking to encourage. I'm looking to accomplish. I'm, 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 this is, this, the me monster is now dwelling here if I give the enemy a seat at my table because I got something to prove. But if I live from that approval, I love what you're saying. It's a big deal in leadership because at the end of the day, in my opinion, leadership is about serving others. I lose all of that when this guy has a seat at the table telling me how bad I am. I'm not as good as so-and-so. You know, you got to do this, that, and the other to be to be qualified or recognized, and all of that, they're, they're simply lies. I, I, you know, I was the happiest in my life, Chad, um, on the first day I got invited to speak somewhere. I didn't get paid. I, I didn't get recognized. There were approximately 12 high school kids at it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get there early and put the Where folding, was this, Atlanta? At the folding chairs out, uh-huh. yeah. And I had driven there on my own accord right. by myself right. in my beat up old jalopy car because my family always had secondhand cars. Right. It was at a little bitty church north of Atlanta. They couldn't afford a youth pastor. And I, it was like I was going into space yeah. on the 45 minute drive up there. I was right. amped out of my mind. I had right. prepared like I was going to make a presentation to the United Nations. I sold out every inch of me during that talk. There were three kids who hated it and hated me. Yeah. I yeah. was convinced I was going to win them over. I got back in my car. I drove home. I literally yelled out loud praise to God all the way home. And I went to bed that night, and I was the happiest person on Man. planet Earth because I was doing out of pleasure hmm. what God had created me and gifted me to do on this wow. earth. Wow. And somewhere along the journey of failure and success, but more of the journey mm. of success, I think, mm. the pleasure turns mm. into the performance. And it's about, did I get recognized? Did I get paid? Did people applaud? Was it as good as last time? Can it be better than that next time? Jeez. And now I'm in a trap, and the pleasure that was so pure and simple is now no longer in the equation. And so I've been spending a lot of time the last two years talking to myself about the pleasure of what God called me to do. And it's Jeez. going back to that old chariots of fire moment. I know that's like another lifetime ago. But when I run, I feel this pleasure. I can and hear so, the music coming you know, in as you, say, as you bring the reference. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> but can you still say that honestly? When I came to work today... To do mm. this thing that God has uniquely called me to do. That's it. Do I feel his pleasure? Mm. And, do, and is, there, is there enough pleasure in it to bring me back again tomorrow? Not wow. enough performance in it, but enough pleasure in it. And it doesn't matter. Every, all these, you know, you see that Instagram picture of all the great tech companies, Google and, I mean, Tesla and SpaceX and Apple and all of them, every one of them start in a garage bunch of guys in there just going nuts in their pleasure zone. Loving it. Just creating because they loved it. 
and it was all pleasure, and it was no mm. performance. They'd sometimes Beautiful. be in there two, three days at a time and not even stop and eat, and they didn't even know it. Like, it's another day. We don't even know. A day came and went. We were having so much fun doing what we're doing. Wow. And then all of a sudden, you got guys sitting in a corner office going, oh, man, I got the shareholders and the press and the this and the chip shortage is going on and blah, blah, blah. And I think that you and I, we have to take control of the table of our mind and say to the enemy, look, I'm going to go back to day one, the day that, that God invited me to do this with him, and wow. I'm going to start there today. I'm not going to start wherever I left off yesterday and try to build mm-hmm. on that. I'm going to start where I started on the first day, and I'm going to take one step from that. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. And I, Even as you're saying it, I'm going, God, let that be true in my life. Purify my, my motives. May I enjoy the process. I, I love that COVID this is the blessing that comes to our life out of COVID that it purifies. It gets us back. And by the way, coming back, we're mentioning coming back. It's not about attendance anymore. It's about engagement. The metrics have changed, which will really threaten the core of your identity if you're not careful. So I'm grateful for what we're experiencing. I'm grateful for this message and this book. This is my last question. And, and by the way, I just have to say this. Thank you for being so faithful for so long for for just I know I mentioned it in the beginning but just digging and digging and digging and having the conversations for 3 months around the table with your wife and the, that's the hard work of life is coming to grips with who we are and our our trauma and our pain and what we've experienced and at the end of the day what is the goal the goal is to be a healthy individual hmm. Forget healthy leader. I just want to be a healthy person. Do you know how much work it takes to be healthy? We're not trying to be normal, just healthy. And I, I love that, you know, for you're an inspiration to me and have been. I remember being in Bible college and better is one day. And just, I don't, there, I don't know a time in ministry that you haven't been at the forefront and been a pillar and been blazing a trail in front of all of us. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have the authority to write this book because you've lived it. I, uh, just, a, just a quick thought. I was talking with some pastors last night, and we're talking about in ministry, in leadership, there's art, anointing, and authority. The art of what we do, the anointing, the grace to do it, and then the authority. And where does authority come from? Authority, in my opinion, is in his word first and his name second. That's my authority. But then it also comes to my life when I've lived stuff. I've got the authority to talk. You have the authority to break down and dissect Psalm 23 because you've lived this thing. If I could if I could just get one last thought, what's one takeaway out of the authority of this message? You go, people need to understand this truth. Well, I just want to say, hey, um, I, I agree with you and what you were saying. You, I want to ask you so many questions right now. It's not my podcast. <laughs> but, you know, we are coming back, and everything has shifted and changed. And I love that, for me, I think it's taking me back to the beginning. Um, when everything becomes disoriented, you want to get back to as far back to the beginning as you can and ask all the original questions. And so for us, that's mm-hmm. back in Acts 2, figuring out, like, what is this church? Why was it born? How did it function? What did it look like? Um, is that still what it looks like? And how can we get as close mm. to that as possible? And I love that wow. 
even in that moment, Chad, it was it was about the metrics. Um, it, the Holy Spirit's very clear to let us know exactly how many people were there when Peter was preaching, right, right. and how many people got saved. And but then there's the the personal side of it of every mm. single day people were added to the church and people were breaking bread. They were in their homes, and there was this relational aspect. And I think church going forward has to be less about the numbers and Great. way more about the names. And mm. we were striving for that before COVID. I think you and I both, you know, we I, I like being a part of a church that we know a lot of people are coming to it because we live in a city of six and a half million people. We need a lot of people to come to church. Right. But I want to make sure we're the church where we are excited about people's names as much or more than we are about the numbers that we can aggregate at any given moment in time. And that's going to be a great balance. I think the one takeaway is authority is in the name of Jesus. And people are afraid somehow to think they're going to be a little bit of a spiritual wacko if they start using the name of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus. Faith comes by hearing. I heard someone say that recently, and hearing by the Word of God. I heard a really well-known pastor, a wise pastor, say that just about 40 minutes ago. (laughs) And so faith comes by hearing. Mm. And so what are you hearing? Well, I'll tell you what you're hearing. You're hearing whatever you're saying. So if you're telling someone when they ask you over coffee tomorrow how you doing, and you say, I don't know, man. Mm. Well... Where did you hear that? It wasn't from the shepherd at your table. He didn't sit down with you this morning and go, Chad, I don't know, man. (laughs) So if you're telling your friend over coffee that you don't know, man, where did you hear that? Wow. From the enemy who's sitting at your table. Mm. And so how do you bind that thought and remove that thought and exchange it for a good thought by using your voice, Mm. and the name that is power, and saying, in Jesus' name, that doesn't sound like my shepherd. So I'm going to bind that thought before that thought binds me, and I'm going to put my eyes back on the shepherd and say, I need a narrative for today. Could you help me out? And he's going to say, absolutely. I'll tell you, number one, we're going to make it today. Number two, we have things to do together. Number three, I believe in you. Number four, I love you. Number five, uh, yesterday, yeah, there were a few losses, but it's a brand new day today. And we're going to go for it together. Now I have a narrative and I'm at coffee and somebody says, how are you doing? I heard your mom has cancer. How are you doing? I heard your business went under. And we go, Mm. "Uh, let me remember my narrative because I had a conversation with the king of the universe this morning. Yes, my business is going under, but I'll tell you this. I don't know anything else today but this. I know I'm going to make it because wow. the king of the universe is at my table. Now, Jeez. let's talk about how to keep my business from going under. But let's start <laughs> with the narrative that right. I'm going to make it, and I have a God who's with me in it. Come on. Well, that uh, I, I am just after talking, I am so excited to read this book. I'm so excited. I've heard you speak this in Australia, London, and LA, and I'm so excited to read this book because there's there's really big truths that all of us need in our life. And also, you put your you put your picture on the back. Show everybody the <laughs> that that's the second reason why I'm excited. Show yeah, move right the there. sleeve. See move there. the thing. No, no, move the thing. <laughs> move the come on. 
Louis, show us. <laughs> hey, I learned from the best. Uh, I love you so much. Thank you for writing this. Thank you for being who you are. We love you. Julie and I love you guys so much. And um, I hope that we get to see each other in person soon. Shelly and I love you and Julia so much. All the best to you and Zoe Church. I know you're coming back stronger than ever. And uh, it's awesome to see your face today. Can't wait to see you in real life. Love you so much. Love you too. I mean, come on. How many, think about, that's one of those podcasts you're going to have to listen to many times through to get all the gold that was in that thing. Okay, we're going to end uh, today's podcast. Where Every podcast in this season, we're going to answer a question that someone has written in. By the way, subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, Leadership Lean In. I think we need to make some merch, by the way. Season two, let's get some merch going. We need some leaners. We need somebody that's leaning. No, 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 not leaning this way. Leaning in. Okay, we're going to do it. Okay, what's the question? Uh, Ryan is asking, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay motivated? Okay, how do you stay motivated? Ryan, wherever you're writing in from, could be the office next door. Ryan, whoever you are, how do you stay motivated? This is a great question. I think in order to stay motivated, you have to stay inspired. What, so, so what inspires you? What, 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 what gets you all excited? For me, it's art. Creating things gets me motivated. The idea of creating something that's going to impact or inspire someone else or change things, that's what motivates me. What motivates me is this thought that I haven't arrived, I haven't accomplished anything, I'm not there yet, and so I want to create more, I want to accomplish more, I want to help more people, and so it's about knowing, it's the whole thing, anticipating what's next, having excitement for the future. If, I'm, if I don't have anything to look forward to, I'm not motivated. It's the whole thought for me, it goes back to the scripture in Proverbs, having prophetic vision, where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. Getting vision and and inspiration for the future is what keeps you motivated. Without that vision, you lose all motivation. So keep inspiring yourself via books, exposure to you know big uh, uh, leaders, big thoughts, because you seeing them where they are, you seeing that thought of what could be the possibility, that's what's going to get you motivated and inspired to keep on going. Okay, Leadership Lean In, episode 47 is in the books. We're coming back in just, uh, not this week, but the next, every other week. Make sure you subscribe, by the way, to our leadership email, putting out an email every single week on leadership. Subscribe to that. We love you. We'll see you next time.